Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. Spring training is in full swing. All the players have arrived, and, well, at least almost all of them. We'll get to that in the show. But, uh, yeah, everyone else is in camp and starting their routines for the baseball season. Also, the big hot stove news, Manny Machado. We will touch on that, as well as a few other things along the Cubs front. Adam, how you doing? Not too bad. Evening, partner. And a good evening to you. So, Adam, you know the big news around baseball. Mm-hmm. One of the big free agents finally signed, Manny Machado, in, I would say, pretty surprising fashion, has signed a 10-year, $300 million deal with the San Diego Padres. What are your initial thoughts on this signing? I mean... I'm really not shocked by the money. We all expected Manny Machado to get a, a huge contract, and that's what he got. Um, I guess I'm I'm a little surprised maybe that he didn't sign with a, a team that is expected to be in contention right away. Um, I, I think, honestly, I because the White Sox were seen as the front runners for Machado this whole time, this throughout this entire offseason, everybody was so sure that it was going to be the White Sox. And I think the White Sox, uh, from a prospect perspective, uh, I think they're in a better position to win sooner than the Padres are, though the Padres have some compelling pieces too. And uh, Manny Machado, obviously, he's only 26 years old, so it's not like it's now or never for him. Uh, he could wait. Uh, and good things could come for San Diego. Uh, but I, the one thing that really shocked me about this whole thing is I saw a report that the White Sox had no sort of uh, opt-out clause in their offer to Machado, which just it blows my mind because I don't know how you can expect to reel in a big fish like that without one of those. It's almost essential in this day and age that you have some sort of opt-out clause in the contract. You're just not going to get a Machado or Harper type. Well, I know, and that's kind of the big topic of conversation. You know, as somebody here in Chicago, that's been the whole talk the past, what, 35-some hours since Manny Machado signed. It's been, where did the White Sox go wrong? Because I really thought the White Sox were going to get him. I thought that they were, you know, past their old ways and said, all right, if we're going to win, let's open up the checkbook and give Manny Machado whatever he wants to boost this rebuild and it looks like the offer was eight years, uh, $250 million. But Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams are like, well, uh, he could have earned more here uh, based on the deal structure. We got creative. And then you hear about the no opt-outs. Look, if you don't have an opt-out, good luck signing one of those guys. Yeah. And it's pretty simple. Guaranteed money wins every time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the main thing that these guys are looking for these days. My... My hope with this signing is that it will put to rest the conspiracy theories that all of the teams in the league are colluding not to spend money. How can you say that teams are colluding not to spend money when the San Diego Padres just gave Manny Machado the richest contract in baseball history? And not only that, but consider this. The, the Padres aren't even the second most popular baseball team in the state of California. I mean, even though they're in San Diego, you, you could make the the case that the Padres aren't a big market team. And the Dodgers and the Giants are way ahead of, of the Padres in terms of popularity. They just don't care as much about it in San Diego. But they gave Manny Machado $300 million. So I, I just think it's ludicrous 
and and I hope that I know it won't. And it, it, this never stops people from putting on their tinfoil hats, but I, I would hope that this would put some of that to rest. Well, I don't think it will because there's all these other stories coming out about these minor league deals. I don't know if you read the thing about uh, was it Mark Reynolds and mm-hmm. as well as uh, Brad Brock, who yeah. you know just finalized his deal. There's clearly something wrong in the system. I just I don't there, see all the I don't, I don't see all the owners coming together and saying, "Look, we're not going to spend money." I don't think it's like no, full on collusion, but you know. Yeah, but I'm Mark Reynolds. Mark Reynolds is like 35 years old, and he's just not even that good anymore. So I I don't know why people think that it's outrageous that it took this long for Mark Reynolds to get a deal. And as far as the the reports. Uh, of him getting five minor league contract offers in one day. Uh, I saw somebody on Twitter bring up the point. I can't remember who, so I'm sorry if you're listening and I'm not giving you proper credit here. But how do we know that his agent wasn't just collecting all of these reports and just reported it to Reynolds at the same time? That may have been Brad Robinson who brought that up. Yeah, good friend Brad. Yeah, I think you're right. Now that you mention it, it was – I think it was Brad. Thank you. Uh, I just I don't know, especially, you know, if I hear it from from a big name, from from a reliable source, then maybe I'll believe it. But all it is right now is just speculation from a bunch of a bunch of people on Twitter who have they have no connections to the to the business. So I, I just don't buy it. Yeah, I mean, again, I think you can make arguments that the current CBA, the way things work, there are some flaws, but uh the, the the whole coming together and colluding, I don't know how much I believe that. So yeah. Well, know. and for, for Harper and Machado, because I know everybody is all upset that it took this long and, and nobody wants that. You know, it's not exciting for, for this to drag all the way into February and March. I get that. But I, I, I think it, it makes sense that it took so long because I think most people would would acknowledge the fact that these guys were probably trying to wait each other out a little bit. And well, Machado, I think that's what happened here. Yeah, because I think that the both of them were waiting for the other to sign first so that the other guy could leverage for more money. But $300 million as it stands for Machado is the biggest contract in baseball history. Uh, so now it's, it's not going to be for long. Yeah, we'll see. Harper is going to get more. Yeah, see it. I think Harper definitely should get more, I think. I think he's the the better long-term asset. You can't go wrong with either, I don't think. But if I had to pick, I I would go Harper. Uh, I hear so many conflicting reports, though, that on Twitter anyways, that the Phillies are still in, they're not in, they're not willing to go as high as what the Padres did for Machado. So it's just we won't know until we know is the thing. Um, You just don't know what to believe. Scott Boris, in my opinion, Scott Boris is, he would rather drive into a volcano than settle for less of what Machado got. Yeah, I, Scott Boris will find a way. He he usually does. You know, maybe if you want to fix the system, why don't you get rid of Scott Boris somehow? He seems to be at the root of all the controversy. Yeah, no kidding. And it's been that way for years. Now, the the whole thing with the Phillies is interesting because you're hearing that there may not be as much mutual interest, but th- didn't they also say that Manny Machado wasn't really interested in playing on the West Coast either? Yeah, see, that that's another thing that I... But, you, you, I mean, obviously that's not true, unless 
unless the thing is that he was only going for the money, which I don't, you know, I can't blame the guy for getting his money, but I don't know. That that's this is the thing. You you just have, you have no idea what to believe. One day Ken Rosenthal says something, and then the next day John Heyman says the exact opposite. Right, and I think there's been a lot of Harper talk the past 24 hours here in Chicago. 90% of Sox fans are saying, well, okay, we're not even getting our hopes up on Bryce Harper because if we're if they if Kenny Williams and Jerry Reinsdorf and Rick Hahn were not willing to give Manny Machado 300 million guaranteed, there's no way they're getting Bryce Harper because he's going to demand more guaranteed. Uh, and that's probably the case. And, you know, Rick Hahn in an interview today said, oh, you know, we're uh, we're not ruling anything out. But, you know, we're, we're also looking at uh, seasons ahead and spending more money. It, it To me, that pretty much sounds like there's no way they're going to be in on the Harper sweepstakes. No, I I would assume they are not. I mean, that's that's just purely speculation on my part. But, yeah, I, I mean. They never really showed much interest in Harper, not that I recall. Ma- I think, Machado, and, I think, was always their, their target yeah, since Machado, the past few years. Machado was number one, yeah. Really, I, I, I would say that I'm surprised he didn't end up on the Yankees. I mean, I know that we heard a long time ago that the Yankees were, were pretty much out on him, but, but going back, you know, even before he got traded to the Dodgers, I was pretty sure that the Yankees it was inevitable that that was like a match made in heaven yeah I would have said Yankees would be really shocking if he didn't go there I would have said that in November December uh then January came they made a bunch of other moves and there wasn't much talk about yeah and that's when I'm like all right I think he's going to the Phillies for a little bit and then the reports surfaced about their interest in Bryce Harper Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, well then it must be the White Sox. Well, and then you know, the Padres stepped in, and I'm like, eh, I think the Sox will top that, but no. You know, there's there's another thing to this too that that would make sense to me uh, as as far as him not going to the Yankees. Manny Machado kind of strikes me as the kind of guy who wants to be the guy on a baseball team. You know, the number one star. Um, and there's a chance he would not be that guy on the Yankees. It would it could still be Aaron Judge. Um, he probably wouldn't be the guy on the Dodgers either. He is the guy with the San Diego Padres. I mean, Eric Hosmer wasn't even that great last year. Eric Hosmer is probably, I don't even think he was like in the top five production wise on the San Diego Padres last year. Uh, so Manny Machado, he, this is like a win, 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 win for him. I mean, it's beautiful weather all the time in San Diego. He's the richest player in baseball history now. And he is the guy. But yeah, I will mean, he win, the, though, is the question. I, I mean, I, I think the Padres this coming year are definitely going to be no slouch, but I don't think they're ready to legit contend no. yet because they don't have a starting rotation. Right, yeah, I think they're they're going in the right direction. They're, they're on their way up, for sure. At least it seems that way. But, it, yeah, I can't see them being serious contenders in the next few years. Nah, I think uh, I think 2021 is when we'll start seeing that. And, you know, again, Machado, Machado is 26, so he has plenty of time to have prime years when they mold into a winning team. Plenty of time. So it, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what they look like just this coming year. It'll be interesting to see what a difference Manny Machado can make. Let me, let me ask you, 
what did you think he was going to get? If you, what was your best guess as to the size of the contract he would get? Because three hundred million is a lot larger than I would have guessed. I was thinking more in the ballpark of like two fifty. I was about two eighty to three hundred. I thought okay. uh, he wasn't going to get any more than three hundred. I didn't think he was going to get any less than I don't know two sixty. I I thought two fifty was a little too low. And when I saw that initial White Sox offer, I'm like, there, there's no way that's going to be the final offer. And yeah. people thought, oh, you know, they're just trying to to gauge the market. And what it sounded like is they tried to put forth an offer that they thought was good, but it wasn't good. And the question is, were they doing this really thinking they were going to get him? Or were they just I mean, I think the White Sox really wanted Manny Machado. They really, really wanted him. But they took the approach of, well, let's try to get him as good of a deal as we can and not be aggressive about it. Well, and it depends depends on the AAV, too. Because, I mean, the Padres gave him 10 years, 10 years, uh, 300 million. Uh, Who's to say that? Because Rick Hahn said that he, he believed that that some people were saying uh, that what they offered Machado was actually in some ways better than what he ended up getting with the Padres. Because what if, but if there's no opt outs, that is a right. Yeah. The opt outs are a deal breaker that I can't wrap my head around why you wouldn't include something like that. But I mean, if they offered him something like two fifty for seven years, then all of a sudden he's making $35 million a year instead of $30 million a year. The way I see it is at the end of the day, if you're getting more guaranteed money, you're going to take that. Because, yeah. I mean, sure, he could have been making more per year with the White Sox, and he could have had a a chance to earn more with the White Sox with all those uh, built-in clauses. But what were those built-in clauses? What did he have to do? You know, there's no yeah. guarantee he was going to make more in Chicago than he was in uh, in San Diego. So. I almost yeah. I almost wonder if he stayed away from the Phillies just because of all the speculation that they were going to go after Machado and Harper both and maybe Machado didn't want to play with Bryce Harper on the Phillies. Do you think there's any possibility that that could be true? Uh I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a good question. Um I I think Machado may have been interested in the Phillies, but I felt like since the Phillies were so interested in Harper. He kind of felt like, all right, I would probably be a plan B at this point, and I don't want to be a plan B. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. But uh, Again, mean, that's speculation. I don't know. Yeah. It's just a guess. Hey, at, at the end of the day, though, the waiting game worked. I mean, we can complain all we want as fans that it took forever and it wasn't entertaining for us this offseason, but Machado got his money, and that's what people gripe about is teams not spending. I mean, there's there's this article going around. Revenue has gone up in baseball, and for some reason, that makes people think that teams should overpay for players now more than they already do. And I, I, I just, I can't fathom how how that is logical to anybody. That just because there's an uptick in revenue, all of a sudden, that means you spend more on players. That's that's horrible business practice. You'd run your business into the ground if you did that. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, it, just because your, your team is making more money, that doesn't make Joe Schmo a better player than he is. That doesn't make him more valuable. Am I wrong on that? No, Walter, you're not wrong. 
Sorry, I had to get that Big Lebowski <laughs> reference on there. Hey, I'm we sorry. should we should we should try to incorporate a Big Lebowski quote into every show. I'm all for that. Oh, I am so down for that. We're totally going to do that. But you know, it's it is interesting. I think if you look at it from a certain perspective, you could say, shouldn't we be glad that? lower teams are opening their checkbooks and trying to make this a bit more balanced. I mean, all we've heard for years is how, oh, the big market Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, Dodgers, they're the ones buying everything. Look, now you got the Padres spending money. Oh, yeah. The the Phillies aren't a small market, but they're not New York, Chicago, or L.A. If they get Bryce Harper and they spend, then you're seeing a bit more market balance here. I think that might be a good thing. Yeah, I I like it. I I think it's a good thing. Look, Going going back a few months, even further back than that, if you want, the Padres weren't even in my top five of teams I would have thought to be front runners for Machado. Maybe oh, not God, even top, no. maybe not even top ten, to be honest with you. They'd be one of the last teams I would have suspected. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think this is it's a I think it's a good look for baseball for a smaller market team to step up and get one of the big guys. Yeah, I, so good for the Padres. That's what yeah. I gotta see. Yeah, good for I, them. Yeah, I I really I would like to see more teams take the initiative of of trying to win. I mean, I I love what the we've already talked about this. I love what the Reds did this offseason. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not a believer that they can actually go very far this year, but I love the fact that they're trying and that they're not just, you know, oh, we're we'll just strut out, you know, some some nobody guys who are basically just quadruple A players, uh glorified minor leaguers. Uh, and we'll get some good draft picks. I like that they're not doing that as opposed to some of the other teams in the league because I think that the fans deserve more than that. I think the fans at least, I think you owe it to your fans to at least give them your best effort. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And I I guarantee you that San Diego is going to see a real rise this year in attendance because it may not be known as a sports town, but when the Padres are good, don't go to that ballpark. That ballpark is beautiful. Yeah, it's a cool looking place. You know, maybe Machado is the guy who kind of reinvigorates uh, the Padres baseball scene. You know, maybe if they if he starts uh, smashing for them and they start winning, maybe that gets uh, fans interested and maybe they see an uptick in attendance. Uh, who knows? But, you know, no matter what it, the case ends up being, I, I think this is a good look for baseball that a team like the Padres ended up getting him. Yeah, for sure. It it makes things really interesting. Well, you know, believe it or not, this is a Cubs show, so we will talk some Cubs. I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if you know if this is a Cubs show. I mean, we talked about Trey Boucher's last week. That that was pretty good. I mean, you got to keep people informed on things that are important, I think. Well, I mean, when we talk about a Trey Boucher, we got to ask ourselves, if, if one of the Cubs brought in a trebuchet at spring training, just randomly. Would we have to go down to Arizona to just witness it? I mean, I, that's not even a question, of course. I'm, I'm dropping everything. I'm packing my bags and I'm getting down there. Can we officially make this a pro-trebuchet show? I was already under the assumption that it was. Well, it's, it's official now. I mean, last week you threatened to launch me with a catapult, and let's be honest, a catapult isn't isn't capable of launching something as heavy as I am. It, a catapult can't launch a human being, and that's why it's the inferior siege engine. Right, I know. I should have said trebuchet right off. The, you should have. Yeah, I know. I, I'll, I'll own up to All that. All is forgiven. All is forgiven. Yeah. 
Okay, cool, cool. But yeah, so Cubs news. Pretty much everyone is there down in Mesa. We got the workouts going on. People are throwing. People are catching. People are in the cage. Your typical stuff. There's a lot of rumors going around with Ben Zobris right now because he hasn't reported reportedly due to a personal uh, situation. Nobody knows what it is. There's speculation that there's a trade brewing and that they're clearing space for Craig Kimbrell to come in. I don't think there's any deal going on right now. I just think that there's something going on with him personally, and he'll be there eventually. I, I don't think there's there's anything more than that. Well, I mean, we don't know. Personal matter, I mean, that comes up a lot. Personal matter is really vague. That could be a lot of things. It could just sure. be a, a PR move to cover for whatever is actually going on. And it, honestly, it wouldn't shock me if they were trying to get some sort of trade arranged, but... It's hard for me to envision a team taking on his contract, being as old as he is. I get that he's coming off a career year, but to have a career year that late uh, in your career is, you know, how many teams really believe that he's going to duplicate that again this season? I know I'm not expecting that on my end. Um, the thing the cra- that would make, I'm sorry, go ahead. The Craig Kimbrell thing, too, like, I, I hope the Cubs aren't doing that because Craig Kimbrell is going to be really expensive, and I, I really would rather they not because I, I think they'd be kind of playing with fire there. But, I mean, if, if what if what Ricketts are saying is true, then they can't afford him anyway. No, they can't afford anything according to them. No. Like, they literally said, we have none in terms of money. And I, everyone I know. had to do it's... a double take. I, I, yeah, it's, it's really weird the way that they're framing it too. I mean, it's, it's not like they're, it would be one thing if they came out and said, you know what, I think we're fine the way we are. And we, we're just gonna, we're gonna budget for the future. I just, we just don't think we need anything more right now, but they're making it sound like they are absolutely broke. Which is so weird to me, given that they just... Do you just, buy they're broke? Because I don't. I just don't, no. But they're making it sound like they can't even afford to get guac on their burrito at Chipotle. Which is... I don't, I'm don't. i almost kind of offended that they expect us to believe that they're broke right now. Yeah, come on. I Really? We You have none? You can't even afford Martin Maldonado? You can't afford Marwin Gonzalez? You can't afford Tony Sip? I... It, how are we supposed to believe that, especially since you just gave a $20 million option to Cole Hamels? Yeah, I mean, something had to have changed. Something had to have happened. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but it, it just it was an in, it was in an instant. I mean, they, they just went from prospective big spenders, given Cole Hamels, you know, veteran guy way past his prime, $20 million dollars supposedly in on Bryce Harper. I mean, that's been the word for the last year and a half is that Bryce Harper to the Cubs, that's inevitable. It's going to happen. And now all of a sudden they can't even get a middle tier relief guy. Right. Okay. And look, I know a lot of people want Bryce Harper. I'd love Bryce Harper. If they would have said, look, we're not going to go after that kind of free agent because of the money but we are open to spending in some other areas, I think myself and everyone else would at least be more accepting of that. Of course, people would still be upset that they wouldn't get Bryce Harper, but 
you're really literally saying you have no money when we all know that's yeah. a bunch of hooey. Yeah, and I, I would have respected it more if they would have just came out and said, look, we're not going to spend the money on him because we don't think we need it, and it might hinder our ability uh, to get good players in the future. That I would have I would have believed and respected, but this this whole thing about them just not having any money at all, I don't buy it. And, but, and Because, I mean, first. yeah, I, I think that me personally, I would rather have a lineup full of of really good players rather than a lineup mostly full of mediocre players and one superstar. Because I think the former gives you a better chance to win than the latter. Of course. Of course. And here's the other thing. If you're going to say you have no money, give us a reason why. I mean, I know Tom Ricketts has hinted at all the money they've spent in the past, but... Still, it seems kind of vague. I would rather they say, hey, the renovations are costing us a hell of a lot more than we thought. I would rather hear that. You know, that's something. Maybe maybe that is part of it. Maybe it something hap- maybe something happened, some unforeseen thing happened in the in the renovation process, and they went, Oof. Well, that takes Harper off the table. <laughs> We're gonna have to pay for this. But even that I just don't buy. I mean, the Cubs are loaded. They're absolutely right. loaded. It's nothing would make anybody happy, but it would be more respectable if you just said, we're not spending any more. Yeah. And just saying, we don't have any. There's, there's a difference there. And maybe they really, maybe they're really just intent on not uh, surpassing the luxury tax threshold. Uh, and I'm and not- I would rather they say that. Yeah, I would rather yeah. they just say that. If that's what it is, then I, I wish they would say that too. I mean, it's it's Cubs Twitter though, so no matter what they say or what they do, they're gonna they're gonna catch hell for it, no matter what. Well, of course, but, but there, there's a degree of catching hell we're right. talking about here. And I'm not I'm not gonna try to tell Ricketts how to run their business. I mean, they can do whatever they want with it. But my personal opinion is that you should just throw the luxury tax thing out the window. You just should not care about it while you're in a winning window. You know, it's not because even that punishing. It it really isn't. It, it it's not. It, it's really not all that consequential if you surpass it. But I, my personal opinion is that while you're in contention, while you have a shot at winning the World Series, I just think you should let all that go, because believe it or not, there's going to come a time again where the Cubs aren't very good and they're not going to make the playoffs, uh, and that maybe that's the time to budget a little bit more. But right now, while they have a good chance to win the World Series again, I think they they better just throw all their cards in. Let me put the, what you just said into a little bit of perspective. I know you're not a hockey guy. I am, and I know you know a good amount of people are, so you'll, you'll get what I'm talking about here. Hockey, eh? Hockey, eh? Yeah. Look, for many years, the, the Chicago Blackhawks, they went out, they made trades, they went out and did everything they could to be a winning team. They won three Stanley Cups. They probably should have won four. Don't get me started on Game 7 against L.A. 2014. But they had a hockey dynasty. And the past few years, things have looked ugly. And while it's not fun, I can at least look back and say, you know what? They gave it their all and they won multiple Stanley Cups. Sure, they, there could have been a few things done differently. You know, <laughs> Seabrook contract. But, you know, overall... I liked the moves they made because it resulted in multiple championships and multiple long playoff runs. 
mean, that's really what's important here. If we look down the road and we went all out to get a World Series and let's say we won another one, even if we just won one more, we could look back at this core in future bad days and said, hey, we won multiple championships because we gave it a go and we didn't shy away from trying. Yeah, I, I absolutely. And, you know, no matter what ends up happening, the fact that they won, they pulled it off, they won a World Series, I'll always be appreciative of that. Sure. Um, but, yeah, one thing they don't want, one thing the Cubs organization has to be careful of is, you're right, you don't want fans looking back, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you don't want fans looking back and saying, yeah, they they finally won the World Series, but gosh, they could have won a few more if they would have just put their resources into it. You don't want that. 1985 Chicago Bears. That's all I got to say. <laughs> they should have won at least three Super Bowls, that core. And they only won one. And this is what people are afraid. Yeah, you don't want to Bears, that. When the Bears won that first... And look, I wasn't alive, but everyone I've talked to who was alive, all the things I read about from that year... Everyone was preparing for the Chicago Bears to be the next dynasty of sports after that 85 season. They never won another Super Bowl. And since then, they've only been to one, and that was, what, 20 years later? So this this is exactly what we'd be comparing it to if we only won one. So I, I, at the end of the day, we all said beforehand, we just want to see one before we die. But once you taste that first one... You just want more. Now, I have a question for you. All right. Some people are saying Ricketts is putting his feet up and saying, well, we got our World Series. Now just time to reap the benefits. Do you believe that? Do you believe that to an extent or mm. do you not really buy that? I, I'm i not really sure that I buy that because you, you want to keep fans interested. I mean, it's... It's not beneficial, I don't think, for the team to give the impression that they aren't going all in because then you risk, you know, losing losing some attendance numbers, losing some some sales figures on merchandise. So I just I, I I don't buy that. I just don't think that that would help them in any way. I don't see how that how that makes money for them. So I don't. I, I there's definitely something there, but I, I just don't know what it is. I don't think it's that though. I don't think that they're content. I I just I think something happened that we just don't know about and probably never will know about. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there because if that were the case, I don't think they would have gone out and signed you Darvish to that big deal last year, or Tyler Chatwood, or uh Brandon Morrow, because they spent a crap ton of money last year especially on you, Darvish. I think if that were yeah. the case, that wouldn't have happened. But there, there's clearly something going on behind the scenes. You know, I, I have no idea. Maybe this was just a giant financial miscalculation with everything, with the Maybe. renovations, with the cost of taxes, with the, the salary, everything that they have to spend on. Maybe someone just in the in the business office just screwed up. Yeah, and if it was something like that, then it would make sense that they're keeping it in the dark because that would be a total cubes move. They would get ridiculed for it. It'd be a horrible look for the team. The outrage over that would be astronomical, I think, yeah. if, if fans found out that we didn't get Harper because there was like an accounting error or something. <laughs> that would be totally cubes. But 
all will be forgiven if they if they just have a great season, which sure. they absolutely could. Not if Pakoda's right, but I think they will. I wanted to talk about that. Everyone is looking at these Pakoda projections, and it, most people, I think, are pretty reasonable about it, thinking they're just projections. Yeah, it's based on an algorithm that accounts for a number of things. I believe one of them is pitch framing, and let's face it, the Cubs in pitch framing is not exactly yeah. you know, what they're known for, but... Do you really take these projections seriously? I mean, you can no. you can go back at these projections every year and you could see number of teams that were projected way lower than they actually ended up being. Oh, it's ridiculous. Are you kidding me? Last place? You no one could look at you with a straight face and say the Cubs are going to finish behind the Reds and the Pirates. That's absurd. And and I saw too that as soon as the Brewers re-signed Moustakis, the Cubs' projections dropped even lower to like 79 games. And they signed... Granted, Mike Moustakis has some talent, but come on. That's... Yeah, that's that's beyond parody. And, and and I get... It's a computer program. I get that. But there's still human error involved because humans made the algorithm. Right. So, whatever. I don't really have much else to say about that. Whatever. Yeah, I... I'm, I think it's funny. I, I, some people are mad. I don't know why you would be mad because it's there's nothing believable about that. Like the Cubs winning 79 games this year with the team that they've got, they could they could vastly underperform this year, and they're going to win more than 79. Yeah, unless there's just a crap I mean, ton of injuries. Look, look, look at last season. Almost everyone but Baez underperformed. You know, you, you didn't even have you Darvish. Chris Bryant was hurt for a lot of the season. Wilson Contreras, everybody else on the team lost all their power, and they still won 95 games. Yeah. And you're telling me that now the Cubs are going to win 79 because the Brewers got Mike Moustakis? Give me a break. Yeah, that's it's, it's just not game, worth getting overly upset about it. Yeah, I think it's time for a new algorithm. Yeah. So, I would be whatever. interested to see... I would be interested to see... Uh, some statistics on the accuracy of Pakota proje- uh, projections, how often they're they're close to the mark. That would be interesting. And look, I love projections. I love looking at things, but you got to take them for what they are in the end. I, they're yeah, projections. I'm, they're predictions. I'm I'm just not a big fan of projections because there, there's just there's no way to know. Nobody could have predicted what Baez did this year. I mean, you you could say you did, but no nobody expected that. No, of course nobody, not. Nobody nobody could have predicted what Ben Zobris did. No, a, a lot of people said he was going to bat two sixty at best. Right, including myself. I thought, okay, look, he's a great ball player. But he's on his last leg. He's old. He's had wrist issues. But, hey, his wrist was perfectly healthy this year. He was utilized the right way with his age, and he ended up having a fantastic season. Yeah, and look, I'm not trying to be, like, old man yells at cloud, anti-analytics kind of thing. I'm I'm not that guy. I think they're a little overrated, and I think we put a little too much stock into projections and things like that. But I'm not anti either. Uh, I, I just think it's all a little overhyped, if you ask me. Yeah, exactly. And again, you just got to put those kinds of things in perspective. Uh, you know, they're fun, but they're not like the absolute word that you need to play by going into a season. And they keep bringing up those projections to the players. And, 
you know, they all think it's a bunch of hogwash. They don't care about it. Of course they're not going to care about it. Yeah, what why do you should expect they? them to say? Yeah, why should they? Why should a player say, oh, God, I'm in for a terrible season because Fangraphs says I'm in for a terrible season? No, that's that's not the way it works. And I don't think teams should be I don't think teams should uh, figure out their contracts based on computer projections either. I mean, I, I, I just don't think that I know for a fact that they, they haven't thrown out the eye test. Because if you're if you're going to use an algorithm to tell me that a 230 hitter is actually really good and is a star, then obviously something is wrong with your system. Well, you have to look and see, well, why is he a 230 hitter? Is he striking out a lot? Is he hitting the ball hard, just not getting Babbitt luck? I mean, what's the deal here? Is he exchanging walks for certain pitches to hit and when he does have pitches to hit he doesn't hit the ball with authority there there are so many different things that go into it but you know i i think i like advanced analytics i think they have a place but I, it you just, gotta balance yeah. it correctly yeah they just shouldn't be the end-all be-all yeah i mean i think that's a, that, that's a fair argument now here's another interesting thing going into spring training Regardless of these projections or not, the Cubs are going into this season feeling like underdogs. Even though they won 95 games last year and they missed out on a division by one game because the Brewers went on an insanely improbable run, they're, they're ready to fix what they've done. If you, if you read what Javi Baez said, he's like, you know, maybe we lost that focus too late. We weren't focused correctly. I, I think at least the players are identifying what went wrong, and, and they're mm-hmm. ready to fix that. You know, I, you, I, I agree with you, and I, I like it. I like that yeah. they feel like underdogs because even even if you think you have the right mindset, when you know you're the top dog, it can, it can be easy to get complacent. Sure. And I think that, you know, maybe there was something to that uh, these last couple of years. The Cubs, they finally won the World Series – uh, they knew they were the best team in baseball, and so maybe there was some degree of complacency there, even if they, you know they they didn't realize it. So I think that this is good for them that they feel like underdogs, and maybe this will kind of spark a fire that they didn't quite have uh, last year. Last year was the first time, in my opinion, that this Cubs scheme under Theo Epstein got their hearts broken. Think about it. 2015, nobody expected them to go as far as they did. They were young. They were ready to take on the world. They beat the hated Cardinals in the playoffs. They made it to the NLCS, and they just got flat beat by better pitching. But they were so young and inexperienced, they learned from that. The next year, they won the whole thing. The year after that, despite not having as good of a season as projected, they still won the division. They barely beat the Nationals in a tough battle, but they beat them. And then they played a Dodger team that smoked them because the Cubs will tell you right away, they ran out of gas and the Dodgers that year were just flat better. So they accepted that. But for the first time, they're coming off a season where they felt like they let us down big time. And they're ready to make that right. Well, yeah, I mean, because just about everybody is going to have something to prove. Chris Bryant's got to prove that he can stay healthy this year. 
Uh, Wilson Contreras has got to get his power back. So does everybody else. Even Jason Hayward, for that matter, needs to prove that uh, his improvement last year wasn't a fluke, that he actually is better than what he uh, did initially with the Cubs. So And, and sure. you Darvish, too. You Darvish. You Darvish, I'm really encouraged by what I see with him, especially sure. you know, the, the reports, the uptick in velocity. And can you imagine just how exciting it has to be for the rest of the team if you Darvish stays healthy all year? Oh, absolutely. I think that in itself could inspire them more. I, I mean, just, just having that extra fire in the rotation. It I actually think, feels like you Darvish is part of the team this year. I never really does. got that last year. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. that it just it, He felt kind of disconnected from the whole thing, like he was just on the roster and that was it. But now he, he, he actually, he does. He seems like a, a member of the Chicago Cubs in a way that he did not last year. Look at how he's interacting with the media this year. Look at the way he's very present on social media about the way he's working, about him being at Cubs camp and just just being more personable. And look, you can't blame you, Darvish, for last year. He signed February 10th just as people were flying to spring training. So he really had to just get there and get to work after a full offseason of not knowing where he was going to go, essentially. And now things are completely different, and he really has a reason to bounce back here. And I wouldn't be surprised if he still had the lingering effects of that World Series kind of affecting him. I mean, he even admitted yeah. that he feels a lot better now than he did last year. And it's it's got to be a relief for fans, too, because you almost got the impression after last year, after things went south so quickly that there was maybe some sort of discontent uh, brewing between the two parties and that maybe you uh, Darvish possibly regretted signing with the Chicago Cubs. And I, I think that it has to be a relief for fans uh, that that narrative has changed, that that's no longer uh, the way it appears. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I see a lot more optimism just among Twitter because last year, there were a lot of concerns among people, and there are still concerns among people, but I feel like there was there was a lot more negativity towards Darvish last year than there was this year after coming off a disastrous season. Is it, Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I see a lot more excitement and optimism about what he could do this year. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to, because I, I think earlier in the offseason, it was still, oh my God, the Cubs made a huge mistake getting this guy. This is going to go down as one of the worst contracts in the organization's history. And, you know, knock on wood, because that, that could still end up happening. But I, I see less of that now today. I see a lot more optimism around you, Darvish, which is good for him, because I think that it's every, we all need that. You, Darvish, especially needs that. He needs, Absolutely. To, he needs to know that the fans of the organization are behind him. Absolutely. And we have all the other players right now just kind of doing their workouts, but you notice every day there's a new report on Darvish. There's video, mm -hmm. there's audio, there's pictures, there's updates on his velocity. You know, Anthony Rizzo, he's just kind of there having fun because, let's face it, we know what you're going to get out of Anthony Rizzo. We're seeing a video of Chris Bryant just hit absolute dingers uh, in batting practice. So it's really a lot of the guys that are looking to bounce back. We're seeing a lot of the coverage of, while guys like John Lester and... 
uh, Anthony Rizzo or just getting back in the routine of things. There was another interesting thing that I just remembered that I wanted to bring up, and this has to do with Jose Quintana. Did you hear about the whole thing about the change-ups? Yeah, that that he 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 didn't throw it very often last year, did he? No, uh, he he like sounds like he wants to throw time more. Or something. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. I I like that they're that they're actually taking steps uh, to to improve this year rather than just saying, oh well, you know, off year last year, it'll be better this time around. It's it, I'm, it's refreshing to see that players are actually doing something proactive about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't really notice last year either, but when I think about it, all I remember him throwing was fastballs and curveballs. He would dot the corners of the fastball and then try to get the swing and miss with the curveball. You didn't see a lot of changeups, only every now and then. I'm going to look up the exact numbers because it has to be pretty low, I would imagine, especially if he says he wants to throw more. It's also interesting, I think it was last year or the year before, Somebody mentioned that he wasn't throwing cutters anymore, and I don't think that's ever going to come back, but at least adding back to the repertoire may do some good, right? I mean, I don't know. I'm not a pitching coach, but you would no. think that could have a positive effect. Yeah, I mean, it's that's that's just basic pitching 101 is that you, you have to have some sort of decent off-speed pitch as a starter just to keep batters on their feet. Um, otherwise, they, they, they know what to expect, and if, if the curveball isn't working out anyway— uh, but just just imagine how huge it would be for this team. Kyle Hendricks, if he's a little more consistent this year, yep. Jose Quintana gets it together, figures out that change up, and if you Darvish is in the rotation all year, uh, everybody else, you know, it's inevitable. Some of these guys have to get their power back. I just I don't believe that that they're it's a trend that they're all going to that you know that this is it. None of them are going to have as much power for the rest it's of their bad careers. Chili and stale oyster crackers. Yeah, it's it's. Things are looking up for the Cubs this year. It's there's a lot of bad PR with the money and not spending, not getting big free agents. But I, I think that there there is a lack of the narrative of the fact that that I think the Cubs have a lot to look forward to this year. Yeah. So just going on the specific numbers of Jose Quintana's pitch uh, pitch selection last year, he threw a career low six point eight percent changeups. Six point eight. Yeah, that that seems pretty low. The year before, he was at nine between the Sox and the Cubs. His career high was in 2014 with the White Sox. That was 12.9. And uh, when I mentioned the cutter, he threw it 26% of the time his rookie year and then slowly kind of faced it out. And by 2016, he only threw it less than 1% of the time. And 17-18, he hasn't thrown the cutter. Last year also was, you could probably imagine, his highest fastball percentage, fifty percent. So half of the pitches he threw were fastballs. Yeah, that's that's a problem. I mean, that's that that makes your approach as a hitter so much easier if you know that. And I'm sure as I'm sure most of them probably did. Yeah, and he also threw the sinker seventeen point nine percent, which is the lowest it was since twenty fifteen. Interesting, but. If you add more changeups into the mix, then obviously you're going to see all the other numbers fluctuate because he's, again, I don't think he's going to bring back the cutter, but he'll still have a fastball. He'll still have a sinker. He'll have his curveball. And then you use the changeup a little more. 
Yeah, and I hope it works out because yeah, I mean there's there's absolutely something to that. If you you go up to the plate and you know you have a 50-50 shot at getting a fastball, I mean that's that just that makes it so much easier for the hitter. So if he can get this changeup figured out and incorporate that into his repertoire a little more, I think it'll good things for Jose Quintana in 2019. I would definitely agree. Well, uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Because that's no. pretty much everything I wanted I, to talk I, about. I think we pretty much got it all out of the way. Well, I thought we had a really good show tonight. Um, hopefully we'll have some more guests on soon as spring training progresses. Adam, as always, thanks for coming aboard. Anytime. All right. You could check Cubby's Crib out on Twitter or go to Cubby'sCrib.com. You could also check out this podcast on iTunes It'll also be posted on Twitter. So until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.